This is my story. 911, I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. Warrior. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome. Episode number 35. Hockey to hell and back. I'm Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Gravenhurst, Ontario. You guys notice anything different in the background? Can you see the stick behind me? Very special shout out to Joanne Logue down there in Aurelia, my old war zone, one of them anyways. And I was really good friends with her son, Sean. He was a ball hockey player and we lost Sean last summer to an overdose tragically. And it was a, a heartbreak experience for her and, and terribly sad for me and a lot of our friends. And she just sent me this stick and Matt Thompson sent his buddy Lee. I can't get my toque straight. His buddy Lee uh, to drop it off for me today. And that's going to stay there forever. Thank you, Joanne. Sean, I know you're looking down on us watching everything that I do. And uh, I miss you, man. And Joanne, my love to you. I know you're going through a hard time. I know it's been hard. And uh, I know it's hard to give up pieces of Sean like that. You gave me a shirt at Christmas time. I rocked it on the podcast. Now we got a stick. It's not mine. That's puck support stick. Now I don't own it. Puck support owns it. Um, thank you, Joanne. Quick update. You guys saw the last episode featuring my friend, Kevin Kerbison. We're trying to get Kev to treatment. We have a GoFundMe page. Check that out. Less than 24 hours. We're closing in on $2,000. It's pretty amazing. Thank you to everybody who's donated. Wow. I know uh, the family is feeling hopeful. The plan is to hopefully have Kevin on a plane on Sunday. Fingers crossed. I'm getting a phone call. People don't know I'm doing a podcast here, clearly. That's all right. Kevin, if you're watching, we all love you. Thank you to everybody who's donated. And before we go any further, we also have an auction going on, courtesy of Doug Gilmore. I don't even want to touch it because I'm a klutz. I don't want to get it dirty. It's a sign. Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, Doug Gilmore. Captain number 93, compliments of Doug Gilmore and Team 93 Marketing. It's available on the Puck Support Facebook page for auction for the next 10 days. So get your bids in. All the money is going towards Kevin's treatment here at Puck Support. He's also going to offer up four books. The Killer, My Life in Hockey. Four personalized signed books to you if you win. It's pretty amazing. I talked to Doug yesterday. Thank you, Killer. Amazing. Just over a year ago, I was in jail. Now I've celebrated a year clean. I've become friends with Doug Gilmore, among many others. Some Hockey Hall of Famers, some professional hockey players, some 
Olympians, Paralympians, as you're going to see, and a lot of other great people in and out of the hockey community. So thank you so much for everybody's continued support, not only for me, more importantly, for puck support. If you could see behind me, up there, we got Matthew Lazinski tonight. So I'm going to start something new every podcast. That actually is a, a book that my dad made me. And if you look in it, it's uh, it's got a picture of me on the front that you can't see, but it's filled with pictures from my hockey journey. But it is doubling as a frame. So tonight we feature Matthew Lazinski. But every episode, there's going to be an, a new Never Forget picture from one of the individual's in the picture that I show all the time. That one there. So look for that in the backdrop. I know I featured uh, others already, but uh, I can stay there. I'll fix it after you guys saw it. I know we featured others like Brennan Detloff and Ryan Donaldson. If you're wondering where they are, once they're up, they're up. They're not going nowhere. They're going to go across Susan's ceiling. I'm not sure if she knows that yet, but I know she's watching upstairs and she probably won't have a problem with it. So they're not going nowhere. Uh, that's going to be a new feature here in the podcast. And quickly, too, there's beside that, there's a great sketch. You can't see it really because the Rookie of the Year award in is, is in front of it, but I'm going to bring it down later. That came all the way from Germany. That's right. Somebody drew a sketch of me in my Kelowna Rockets jersey from the outdoor rink and sent it to me all the way from Germany. Pretty amazing. I got the original. Really sweet letter that came with it said, you know what? Now I feel like a real artist. And I was like, real artist? I can't even draw a stick, man. It's pretty damn good. You're talking about a real artist. So thank you so, so, so much. Uh, we're going to get to a lot of things. Uh, but of, as always, we're going to get to the sponsorship. So take it away, Regan Bartell. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leopold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. TeamIssue.ca promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you, Regan Bartell. I love that guy. Best in the business. Thank you to Jesse Paradise. That's him. That's Jesse himself. In the promo video, we got videos now. We're rocking. We're working on one for the other sponsors. We're going to get to... One more sponsor, uh, and then we're going to get right into the episode because you guys know me. I could talk all night, and I'm more excited to talk to my friend, Paul Rosen, tonight. So, final sponsor, take it away, Steve Buckley. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love, and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. 
For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at PrideTape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at PrideTape.com. You can find Pride Tape on Facebook.com slash Pride Tape, on Twitter at Pride Tape, and at Pride Tape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change. That's right. Check it out. I got my Pride Tape. Do you have yours? We're going to be giving away some later in the episode. I got it on my blade. I was out on the front street trying to be my best Jaden Shaver, but good luck. That kid is so much better than me at Puck Trick. Shout out to Javen up. Javen, Jaden, Javen. Jaden up there in Morrisburg. This is where it's always going to stay. Uh, I can't play with Pride Tape on my blade. I'm way too uh, anal about that. But uh, thank you to everybody at Pride Tape uh, for your support. And do your part. Show equality. I mean, come on, guys. It's all about love. We're all struggling out there. We're going to hear about somebody else's struggles tonight and, and how they've persevered. So without further ado, guys, we'll see you in a few minutes. Throughout these podcasts, I've spent a lot of time recording these intros, kind of explaining stories of my guests before they come on. I know nobody can tell their story better than that person themselves, but I always like to take the time to do a personal introduction. Over this past year, I've met a lot of phenomenal people and met a lot of great friends. And one of the best is Paul Rosen. I first met Rosie early last summer when he came on Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. And from that moment on, Paul Rosen and I became great friends. Rosie and I are so much alike, and that's why we get along so great. Although he is almost twice my age. Sorry, Rosie. Most people know Paul Rosen, and they know him for good reason. Growing up, Paul was a hockey star, but when he was 15 years old, he broke his leg terribly. His leg was never the same after that. He went through multiple surgeries until in 1997, his leg failed him once again. Over the course of the next 18 months, Paul Rosen went under 14 surgeries trying to repair his leg. But in 1999, he had to face a decision that would change his life forever. His leg was in such bad shape that the doctors gave him an ultimatum. Amputate your leg or lose your life. So on June 9th, 1999, less than 24 hours after that ultimatum, Paul Rosen's leg was amputated. And though he lost his leg, he really found his heart. And by 2002, he was the goalie for the Canadian para hockey team, back then known as sledge hockey. He participated in the 2002 Salt Lake Paralympic Games, where Canada finished fourth. And in 2006, he was with Canada once again, as they took the ice in Torino, Italy. And though they were given little to no chance, but with Paul Rosen in the net, they were able to succeed. He was able to backstop the Canadian para hockey team to our first ever gold medal. Not only did he win, he recorded a shutout in the final. Rosie also played in the 2010 Paralympic Games in Vancouver. Though they couldn't reignite that magic, his long-storied career is absolutely amazing. Though he gets a lot of praise for his sledge hockey accolades, Paul Rosen is actually a multi-sport athlete. And he is only one of a handful of athletes who've medaled in both summer and winter international competition. Helping Canada bring home bronze 
in the 2007 Para Pan American Games in Rio de Janeiro. Through all these accolades and all these praise, a lot of people didn't know that Paul Rosen was hurting on the inside. Much like me, he was battling mental illness and a serious addiction, which led Paul to multiple suicide attempts. And on one occasion, he almost lost his life and really shouldn't be here to tell his story today. I'm so thankful he's here, not only to tell his story, but to be my friend. Rosie's one of the first guys I call when I need to talk. When something's going on, I pick up the phone and call Paul Rosie. Much like most of my friends these days, I've never met them. But that's not the case for Paul Rosen and I. On the day I received my teeth down at Dr. Brown's office, I stopped in with Susan Cook to meet Paul Rosen in person and officially puck support him in. Side note, Paul called me one day in which he got into his car after he'd handed his sweatshirt to a homeless man who had no sweatshirt during the middle of winter. It was in that moment that I realized that, hey, when I go down to Oakville, we're going to make a special trip and we're going to replace that hoodie with a puck support hoodie. It was there that I got to hold the gold medal, get a signed picture from Paul Rosen, and most of all, give my friend a hug. He's definitely had his ups and downs, and I know he still struggles on days much like myself, but the worst is over and now we're brothers forever. Recently, he started his own show, Gooch Live Network, called The Rosen Report. And I'm an avid listener. I tune in every episode and I'm so proud of him. He's doing such a great job. I really look forward to building our relationship even further and contributing on many projects down the road. So without further ado, guys, let's bring him in. One of my best friends these days, a fellow puck support warrior, the incredible Paul Rosen. Rosie! Tell you one thing, that is an incredible song. Grace 2 by the incredible Tragically Hip. I, when I'm really down, I listen to that song, Grace 2. Uh, just an absolute beauty. Gord Downey's upstairs watching us right now. I know that. Yeah, they're my favorite. I know they're your favorite too. I, I didn't know that was your favorite song, Buzz. I had to ask you, but I knew that the hip was your favorite. They're my favorite. Listen, man, thanks for doing this. Uh, you and I talk all the time, so this is nothing new for us, but being able to have you on the show again, I've been on yours, and before we get going, great job on the show. Uh, you're doing, they just keep getting better and better, and I mean, that was to be expected. I was your first guest, so they were only going to get better. But, I mean, come on, man. You're doing a great job, especially that last one with Jim was was great. So keep it up, man. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you. And, yeah, you were the first guest. Uh, I know you, you bugged me sometimes that uh, I had Greg Westlake, and he, he had to back out, and uh, you uh, – you came in off the bench, but you did an incredible job. First guest. Listen, I want to thank you and let everybody know that the last show that I did with Jim Thompson, um, I do a thing at the beginning of the show called Rosie's Rant, and I did an in memory. And I didn't realize, like, like, I know from the things you've done, and, and I'm wearing my Canada shirt, and I should be wearing my puck support, but the way you put um, somebody's name on it, whether it was a, a, a guy or a gal, a, a man or a woman who's lost their life to mental health, to addiction, to alcoholism, to drug abuse, um, it means so much. And and when I opened the show, and I, uh, I, I was going to, who is that one? Yeah, sorry to cut you off. That's Jack Savage. He's uh yeah. he's the, unfortunately he's the youngest one. Well, not yeah. one of the youngest. Yeah, he is the youngest one. 16 years old or 17 years old is terrible. 
Yeah, um, unbelievable. But yeah, I, uh, I I used the names. I and I, I I did twenty names, and then I realized that just from what you sent me, it, it's incredible how many people we have lost uh, to addiction and to suicide. It it just blows my mind, and we have to do a better job. Yeah, and and I agree, and I think I think there's a lot of people out there doing uh, great things, and different organizations and if we can somehow some way you know come together instead of competing uh you know then that's what's going to make the world a difference in my mind when i go out in the day like same with podcasts like i, I share this all the time about people say i be on a podcast and be like we have a rival podcaster on tonight and i'm like right what like no like i understand it but i don't i don't think that way and so when there's another organization like puck supporter or somebody trying with the same initiative or whatever why why look at it as a, a competition i don't care to be in the spotlight i don't care if puck supports in the spotlight what i care about is if we can start to really help people you know yeah the only way we're going to get better is if we work together and when when people start to uh compete and go i i, I can't do that like i i gotta look out for myself when you look out for yourself, that's when the world's in trouble. When we start looking out for each other, that's when we're going to find a reason to make things easier and better for everybody, not just hockey players, but for, for just yeah. anybody. Uh, we're, we're losing too many people to, uh, to addiction and to drug abuse. Yeah, it's, you know what, and the numbers now are, are just appalling. I don't have any in front of me, but I, I, I can't even look at them. The numbers came out from BC and, and majority of them down in, in the area where I'm from. And I can just sit here and think about how many people I know that are probably not here anymore. And that's something that when I came out of jail for the first time, I migrated like it was like a magnet. I got sucked right back down to Hastings within like a day I couldn't even help it and it, I was still in that mindset I guess and I went down there and there was this big giant wall that they were they tore a building down so they had like this big you know two by four wall with like covering so you can't get into the construction site type deal and uh, it was filled with uh, in, in memories sort of like the names that we have and it was like all these people that were alive when I went to jail and I came out two years later and they were all gone and including some guys that I knew and, and one in particular I went to high school with and it was just like wow you know and I, I realized how lucky I was that it you know, I actually went to jail because I most certainly would have been there with them. And so yeah. it, it, the numbers are crazy, Rosie, with COVID. How are you holding up these days with, with the changes in the world? It's been tough. You know, I, I haven't actually had a, a paid job. Tomorrow will be a year. The last event I did was March 11th last year. Uh, you know, I do my motivational talk. So all my corporate talks ended um, my my show. I do because I love to do it. And the uh, all my my color commentary work, the world championships were canceled. The Canadian Tire Cup was canceled. The Olympics in the summer I was doing uh, wheelchair rugby were postponed. The worlds this year, cross your fingers, are on in Ostrava, Czech Republic, June 19th to the 27th hopefully they're going to work out that I'll be able to be there and call the games, but we're still not sure because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm, I'm hoping to get my, uh, uh, my injection uh, soon, um, but it's still not a hundred percent. Nothing's hundred percent. You know, the, the one thing I wanted to bring up and I was battling whether I was going to, when you were doing your, uh, your interview, your, your uh, pre uh, uh, interview, you talking about your, your life and, and everything. Um, 
and I, I just have to, and I, I want you to weigh in on this. You know, we are both, for, for people that are watching, uh, that, that love Hockey to Hell and Back, uh, Road to Recovery, and love the Rosen Report, and all the other shows out there, um, it is critical and important to really think before you speak on this subject of addiction and mental health, alcoholism, drug abuse. Both Brady and myself have been there. We are both recovering. We have a long way to go, but we are recovering. And we have suicide survivors. So I want to put, it's, I'm not using names, I'm not putting anybody under the bus, but I really want to, to make a strong plea to people out there. Before you give somebody advice, use your brains, because if you haven't gone through it, or you're not a medical expert, you could be giving advice that will end somebody's life. So please, please, please think twice unless you know what you're talking about. I don't know if you want to weigh in on that, but just something I have to say. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll echo the words, Rosie. You're absolutely right. And so like even for somebody like myself or, or you, and so I talk to a lot of people, man. Like uh, I do my best to talk to as many as I can, but sometimes you, you, know, you have to take care of yourself. Otherwise, you're not good for anybody else. But I'm even careful, even with my experience on, you know, the to where I may or may not go. And so when it starts to get to that point, that's why I'm, I'm grateful that we have Sandra, who is I, I can direct somebody to Sandra if they need actual, you know, professional advice. And, you know, you can argue that life experience is professional advice, but sometimes uh, you need you need the ear and the knowledge of somebody that you know, has, has more, just a little more knowledge on it than, than we do. And so, you know, being able to get it on both sides, but yeah, Rosie, it's, uh, you know, I feel, and this, this is just me speaking truth. I feel that there's a lot of, there's a lot of good people out there. Don't get me wrong, but I, I also feel, I feel <laughs> I'll use I statements that, some people are trying to capitalize on the mainstream of mental health and and different things and so it it, it just kind of convolutes everything to the point where you know everybody's talking about it. i think it's great um but sometimes like you said it, it can be dangerous and so you know to anybody listening out there if you are going through something i know for me, it was really hard to reach out and, and ask for help and even tell people that were close to me, maybe especially. Um, but taking that first step and finding, and sometimes you, it takes time. Uh, and maybe you can comment on it, Rosie, is, you know, because I know there's different people that you've worked with and possibly worked with over the years. Like, how long did it take you to really find somebody that you felt that was, was making a difference? Was it the first time, second time you had a person do it? Or, or what was that like for you? Well, I was fortunate when, when, I, when I tried to take my life January 3rd, 2019. I ended up uh, going to the psychiatric ward for 17 days in uh, Toronto General Hospital. From there, I, I met in Aurora. I moved in with my daughter, and I met uh, Dr. Kevin Kerouac, who is a addiction specialist. He was the one that really set me on my path, got me into uh, York Region Services, where I started seeing professionals. I uh, went on Zaboxone, which I'm still on today, and it has its ups and its downs. Uh, hopefully, I'll be off it sooner than later. Uh, and then through doing my show, I met uh, Stephen Morris, who is a psychotherapist and works at CAMH, and, and he's helped me through. But, um, you know, I've met over the years going through rehab, and that I, I've met therapists that are have schooling but don't have you know that addict they don't understand and some of them are probably great but but i've had my 
fair share of doctors that just don't get it. Like one of the worst ones, and you know, the, people have to know the good and the bad. Uh, 1993, my first time I ever went to uh, uh, to a rehab center was called uh, uh, Harmony House in Kirkland Lake, Ontario. Far, far north, Kirkland Lake. A lot of great. Hey, hold on, let me stop you there. Shout out to Kirkland, Kirkland Lake. That's where Blair and Mandy Buckman are from. The Buckmans from North Bay that I'm friends with. That's where they're from. Shout out Blair, Mandy, and Kirkland Lake. The great hockey town. Great hockey oh. town from Kirkland Lake. But sorry, to cut you off. I had to remember that, otherwise I forget. Keep a going. Lot of, a lot of huge, huge hockey players uh, over the past have uh, come from Kirkland Lake. Incredible place. But the first time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's 1993. Uh, I, I'm going to, um, I'm 33 years old. I'm, I'm in Kirkland Lake. It took me forever to get there. And the first day of learning everything, I get a guy come up to me and want to sell me oxys and everything under the sun at the rehab center. So there's so many things you have to really be aware of. And then I had a therapist once look at my record and say, I don't understand how you haven't killed yourself. Your, your life is a mess. So there's good and there's bad, but it, as long as you, once you realize that you have people in your life, whether it's family members, whether it's friends, uh, whether it's a, a teammate, if you're playing a sport or it's a doctor, um, you need help. And that's the only reason I'm here today is because I never asked for help. I did it all myself. And then finally, when I uh, went to the, uh, to the, the, the site board and I, and I met a, a doctor and, and then started with, with Dr. Kerouac, I actually said, I, I need help. I, there's no way I'm going to do this on my own. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little over two years clean and sober. I'm really proud of that, but it's still, it's, it's a day to day, uh, you know, you said something really cool uh, last week when, when uh, I think it was Jim said he is 11 years or 12 years. And I'm going, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe that. I can't wait till I'm that. And he said, no, no, we're all one day. And, and that's so true. So true. If we think of it that way, um, then you'll, you'll, you will, you will survive and you can, you know, that nine, you can survive. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and I agree. And I think, you know, and just for going back to, uh, there's a lot I want to cover there that you just talked about. I wrote it down so I won't forget. I'm getting better at that, Rosie. Wiser with my my podcast age. I write stuff down now as I'm doing it. But uh, I just want to touch touch a little bit on on Kevin Kerbison, who was on my my show. And so what his one of his biggest concerns is right now is, you know, what are we going to do after rehab? Like, what's for me after rehab? And I know those feelings because it, you know, you could get through that but if we worry about the things that we can't control in the future man like if we continue if i continue to live my life that way of being like well what if this and what if that and like what am i going to do then well no and i I, what i found rosie over this last year and finally i figured it out is that when you do the right thing follow your heart and you're honest like Jim said, amazing gifts just fall from the sky. And it's, I can't even, it's seriously, in some instances, stuff has literally almost fallen from the sky. And it's not because, you know, I'm doing anything special um, out of the ordinary. It's just sometimes doing the right thing and being honest and sometimes asking for help and showing, you know, vulnerability and everything else, not trying to be somebody or something that I'm not. And and not worrying about, you know, tomorrow. And it goes back to what you're saying about just just for today. You know, you know, the rooms of of N.A. and and the saying just for today. It's a great saying. Sure. Maybe it's a little cliche or whatever. But if you can wrap your head around that mentality, 
it's really powerful. Yeah, one of the things that was hard too is when when I was like right in the heart of my you know getting my one year uh, on on February fourth, twenty twenty, then COVID hit, and I was going to six seven meetings a, a week, and had had great friends in the program uh, in AA and in NA, um, and and then it hits, and you don't know what's going on, so. You know, I said it a little while ago. You know, I'm I'm 25 months clean um, physically. Physically, nothing's gone in my in my body, but I'm still not there emotionally or psychologically. There's still things that happen to me as a kid that I have to deal with, and I I'm a huge believer, and this is from the people that are in my life that are recovering also. And I've got some incredible people uh, that that I couldn't survive without. Um, but you know, you, you have to really just go straight. Like, you know, don't veer off, you know, just just stay on course. And trauma, in my opinion, trauma counseling is critical to go back. And, you know, I was just saying this uh somebody yesterday that um, you know, I blame my mom for a lot of things that happened to me, but I'm I'm learning a lot about her life and and you know, I went back to the cemetery uh, last week and apologized to her. Like she's she's gone, so I'm talking to her tombstone. But you know, it's little things that I'm learning about my recovery that every single day it's something new. So the second, in my opinion, the second that you think you know it all, you're in serious trouble. Yeah, I I agree, man. I I wake up uh, every day, and I did. I, I don't know about you, man, but I, I've done a lot of time in the rooms of NA and AA, not recently. And it's something that I, I have been talking about getting back into with COVID. It's a little difficult, but I remember, you know, when I first went into the rooms of NA, AA, I was like trying to figure out how I was going to fit in, you know, trying to learn the language, you know, different things in this. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get I did 110 meetings or 109 meetings in like 90 days. And by that time, you know, I know everything. I haven't done a full set of steps, but I got it all figured out. I'm there making coffee. I'm greeting people. Don't worry. And, you know, I, I didn't have a clue because I thought I knew it all. And that you make a great point, man. It's crazy. Like it's absolutely nuts. Once, as soon as you think, you know, it all your goose is cooked. Yeah, well, at one hundred percent. So I, I, I'm just trying every day to to get through tomorrow, and and hopefully, COVID will like. It's got to be so like I know what I'm going through, and people in my life like it. it COVID just hit so hard and like everything is stopped like you you can't go to do what you wanted to do and you can't go to the rink and you can't go to the mall and you can't get your hair done not that i need to get my hair done but it's just (laughs) i love what tim and sid used to do that all the time that's why i stole it that's why i stole it you you didn't really spell it now because Tim, Tim and Sid are gone. Like it, know, it was heartbreaking. Tim, I'll talk Tim, about that in a second. Yeah, too, keep going. Tim and friends. So yeah, you know, to me, it's it's um, it, it's it's things that you really have to just take a deep breath and and realize that this is going to end at some point. There was times when I thought, you know, there's just no way this is going to end, but. I'm fortunate. Like a lot of people, you know, you have it in your life. I I have the most incredible girlfriend in the world. She has got me through such hard times. And to be able to fall in love when you're in a a, a situation uh, that you're trying to just live 
is, is the most incredible thing. Because when I was sitting in that hospital, Brady, uh, and and not understanding why I lived, like I took 35 oxys and drank an entire gallon bottle of Windex. I wanted to die. Or you know what? I didn't want to live. I don't know if I wanted to die. I didn't want to live. I wanted the pain to stop. But then to realize that I could be loved and, and I could be loved and I could have somebody make me believe that I was worth it. And I think a lot of addicts feel this. And, and I know we've talked about it, that when you're at your lowest of low, you don't think you deserve to live. But then when you get clean and you get people around you that see the real you, the heart of Brady Liebel, the heart of Paul Rosen, you know, that then they you realize, oh, you know what? I'm I am a, a pretty good person and I do deserve to be here. Yeah, and it's a it's a really great feeling. And it but it's a really terrible feeling on the other side of that. And thanks for sharing that, Rosie. I know that story. We talk, I, I can't reiterate, like people under have to understand me and you talk like multiple times a week, sometimes a couple times a day. And I'm very grateful for your friendship, Rosie. And, and I am. And um, so I know, you know, I know uh, the ins and outs of, of your story and your current situation and everything. And so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you brought that up. I wanted to touch on that and, and talk about that experience a little bit, man. Like what, like you mentioned, it's interesting. You, you mentioned, you know, maybe you didn't want to die, but you didn't want to live because you were, you were hurting so bad. And, how long after that experience would you say that you started to sort of come around and see the light? Oh man, um, that's a great question because I, I I got out of the hospital on the 17th of February, uh, moved into my daughter's place in Aurora. I started going to meetings, but honest to God, and it, it could seem there might be people out there that think, come on, Rosie, like, it, it was July the 10th. I'll never forget the day. It was July the 10th um, that I met my girl. I met my love. I met my soulmate. And I just saw her face. I saw her eyes. And I knew that there was somebody on this earth that was going to love me for me. And we might have tough times. It might be. I don't know. But I do know that when I look at her, I see for the first time ever, I'm going to be 61 years old next month, Brady, the first time ever I know what true love is. Well, hey, it's better late than never. And it's uh, it's pretty amazing, right? Where you When you're going from a, a position where you're feeling completely alone, where you're taking all those pills and drinking Windex, I mean, that's pretty serious. Like when you get to that point, and don't, I'm not judging you because I've done similar things, uh, not exactly Windex, but multiple suicide attempts and different things where that's why I think it's interesting the way you said you're like, maybe I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live and, and, and not experience the pain. And it's such a confusing um, feeling, man. I had the same thing and it's, it, I don't know, man. Like I I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking back to the, the times when I really almost died waking up in the hospital with my parents around me, heart rate monitors, you know, different overdoses, sometimes intentional, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what it feels like after. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm grateful that you're still here and, and I feel very lucky that I'm still here. And I think it's important that people hear these stories and and hear you talk about your girlfriend. I don't want to use her name, even though I know it, that it can be up to you. But uh, you know, I, I think it's important because there's always hope on the other side, if you're willing to do the work and do the right thing. However, 
it's can sometimes be a long, long process. Like I'm over a year, I'm still on government assistance. Yeah. Um, I'm struggling financially. If it wasn't for certain people in my life, I'd be completely screwed. Um, my dad, Taylor, Susan, who's upstairs, um, a number of other people that have contributed to, to me personally over this year. Um, and I don't say that because I want people to feel sorry for me. That doesn't mean that I'm really struggling and I'm not eating and I don't have clothes. Like, you know, I could technically probably be taking a little bit of money out of puck support, but I don't because it's not about me. Like if I'm going to make money, I'll figure out a way to either scale puck support to the point where I can actually be employed and I won't be the first employee. I'll tell you that much because it just wouldn't feel right to me. Um, but getting out there and, and doing whatever I need to do, but hearing the, the, hope but having to understand that it will not just happen overnight like to get all your ducks in a row when you've lived the life that me and you have lived like jim says you got you walk in the woods for 10 years you got to walk out for 10 years yep yeah you know, you know the one thing that that i do love uh, from the time that we met and there's a lot of people out like i've been around a long time and i played 10 years for can i traveled the world um but there's a lot of people out there that will look at, you know, Brady Liebold, will look at Paul Rosen and see us on uh, a podcast or see us out signing autographs and think that, you know, we got it all. And and I, I believe I do have a ton, maybe not financially, but there's so much more. And my girlfriend is Ariana and she is the love of, the love of my life. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Her information doesn't need to be out there, but she is she saved my life. It's bottom line there. But the one thing that I love about what you have done, as opposed to some other people in this world, um, the Puck Support Network is the Puck Support Network. And Brady Liebold is it and, and does 99.9% and there's other, but if you didn't search, you know, really hard, it's not the Brady Liebold foundation. Yeah. It's the puck. So people, I want you to really listen to this. You know, it's not the Brady Liebold, you know, foundation. It's the puck support foundation, the puck support network. And Brady is the guy there and he's got people with him. But if he was in this for himself, you know, then his name would be there first. So I want you to really think about that when you're thinking about throwing things around and saying, well, I've seen him on uh, TV and I've seen his sweater up there and he's got to be making a fortune. You know what? We hide things really. You don't become an incredible uh, um, uh, addict for as long as we have been and fool as many people as we have unless you're an Academy Award actor and we both are. 100%. I, I know. I know that. I, I, man, I did every trick in the book to, uh, to remain in my addiction until finally I just said, you know what, I'm going to stop pretending to be who I'm not, you know, like, or all these different things I was doing. And so, you know, it wasn't easy uh, at first and it's, it's gotten easier, but I mean, it's still not easy to sit here and be like, Hey, listen, I'm on government assistance. I have, you know, I have, uh, you know, I have, to my name, maybe six or seven dollars in the bank at any given time because any money I ever get, um, which go, I'll just send it to Taylor for the kids or whatever. Um, and unfortunately, my phone bill is always high every month, so my my measly uh, check that I get usually goes to that. Um, and it's not easy to talk about struggles uh, and vulnerabilities. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Like, yeah, like you know, I don't have I don't have much, but I have a ton, man. Like, I don't need 
you know, even if I won like $10 million right now, I wouldn't go be obnoxious and buy some sick house with like all these cars and everything else. Like everybody's like, Oh, you know, and I, there was a time in my life when I would have thought that way, no doubt about it, but I would just buy an average house. So I was comfortable, um, probably a minivan so I could drive my kids around and that would be it. And I'd probably donate the rest of whatever I'm doing here with puck support and probably some other organizations too, because again, I'm not greedy. I'm not all about puck support. I would, I would spread the love and I have not made a cent off puck support. I have not taken a single dollar for myself out of the, out of the business. In fact, it's, cost me money not anymore because you know susan stepped in god god bless her heart who's you know really the she's behind the scenes doing a lot more than what people even realize and she's helped and stepped up and really pushed this thing forward but then you got like dave gilmore and uh james gardner uh that did you know raise some money and uh there's startup costs involved and we started, I started it from government assistance. And so that's why it's taking so long to get it going. But like, I'm proud of that. Like I'm not looking for an easy way out and I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell my soul to, to or pox support to, to further the business. I mean, if you got to stay, your integrity has to stay intact. The vision has to stay intact. And like, you know, do I wish we were further ahead? And do I wish we had more money to play with? You're damn right, I do, because I feel like we could help more people. But that's the only reason I want more money, not because I want it for me or anything else. I'm quite happy to wear these puck support shirts and puck support hats for the rest of my life. I don't need to wear nail figure or anything else. Go ahead. And by the way, for those of you that are maybe thinking, hey, the, the, you know, swag looks really good. I'm telling you, it is comfortable, man. My black sweatshirt, I love it. I can't wait to, uh, to get some more things because it's quality stuff. But, you know, I, I jokingly a couple of days ago, I thought about, it came on and the 649 was like 35 million. And I, I started writing down, you know, uh, oh, that'd be so cool if I got the 35 million. You know, the first thing I would do is start a foundation for amputees. Yes. Because to be an amputee in this country, it's not glamorous. It's not a glamorous disability. Um, people don't think about it. You know, it's, I need a new leg now. My leg is 14 years old. A new leg to replace the leg I have now is $85,000. I get next to no help because of my age. And there are so many people out there that they they need a leg not to, to, you know, it's not a Ferrari. They don't need some, they need it to walk. People take things for granted. And I said this to uh, to um, uh, Brad Bartko, a good friend of ours, last week when we were talking, he was on my show. He said, the, the club that Brad and myself are in the, the disability club. We're the only club in the world, Brady, that we have no rules. We'll accept anybody. Doesn't matter how old you, your color, your skin, man, we accept anybody. The problem is when you get in our club, you're usually in forever. And it's very expensive to maintain our club rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, but it's not funny. Like you make a joke, but it's, you know, I, I hate to hear you say that. You know, I know we've talked about it and I know you need a new leg and, and I wish I could do more and, and people could do more. And and that's another part is I wanted to talk to you about. And we've talked about it a little bit, but it, like, you know, it's puck support's not just for able-bodied hockey. We're talking, we want to have divisions for uh, para hockey, blind hockey. Uh, and it, you know, there has to be more of a focus and, and equality yeah. between all the different. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that too, because when we say para hockey, like 
we know para hockey as the the men's program it's amazing you know i i played in three paralympic games i broadcast the last two in sochi in 2014 korea in 2018 and a year from today opening ceremonies in beijing hopefully it goes on but there's a women's program in para ice hockey the canadian team are incredible the american team are incredible like disability and games uh hockey at all levels blind hockey deaf hockey at any disability level there is not just men's like let's just let's forget about this now it's 2021 there are incredible incredible athletes women athletes who are disabled all over the world that we cannot forget about Chantel Petitclair, one of the greatest female uh, women disabled athletes in the world is Canadian. We forget about that. Why? Yeah. I, I, I wish, I wish I had an answer for you. Why? And uh, I see, I'm, I assumed Rosie that there would be a women's, but I'll, I'm going to be honest because I can't lie. You know, I never really thought about that either. And it's a good, you know, it's a great point and it needs to be on the same level. And we're starting to see it uh, a little bit around uh, able-bodied hockey in the NHL, you know, hosting games in Madison square garden uh, for the women. And I think that's a great start, yeah. but when we're talking equality, it, it should be the same for, for all of, you know, able-bodied, para-hockey, blind hockey, getting, and and I get it. it. Sometimes it, you know, is a business, same thing. The women are having problem because they don't get as many fans or this or that. But there has to be more done to, you know, maybe market the game. Because I'll tell you what, man, you watch para-hockey, it's a pretty exciting game. It's amazing. It is amazing. I can tell you, if you ever, I used to say this when we we'd go to different places, Brad Bowden, uh, Billy Bridges, Greg Westlake and myself, we'd go through Western Canada before we'd go overseas for a tournament. And, and we did, you know, intermissions at the Kelowna Rockets game and, you know, uh, a, a different, uh, um, I think we did the, uh, the uh, who did we do? We did uh, Bruins, um, New Westminster Bruins. We did a bunch of games. And, and I'd say to people on the radio that day, come out and watch us. If you don't think it's the most incredible thing you've ever seen, full out craziness on the ice, hitting like you wouldn't believe, shots 80 miles an hour from Billy Bridges, I'll give you your money back. I never had to give one cent back in all the years I did this because it is the most incredible game. And I know that the show that you had uh, Tyler McGregor on, the captain of the team now, we made a promise that we were going to get you on a sled, and we will, and you will see, my friend, it is not easy. Well, I can. I already know it's not easy, and that's another thing. I was. It's funny you bring that up because I was going to mention that I think you know people would have a lot more respect for it once they get it. You know, it's easy when you're sitting on the couch talking and it goes back to even we're talking any sort of hockey I, I used to love it when i'd be a you know a scratch in a game because i'm hurt or something i'd be sitting in the stands and these i don't want to call them idiot fans but some of them shoot shoot what are you doing i suppose it's like i just look over them like all right you get out there you try it you get out there with these guys you put on the gear you put on the sled you try it before you open your mouth yeah. Well, one of my biggest fears leading into Vancouver, because we won the gold in Torino, shocked the world, and we were supposed to win in Vancouver easily. And I, uh, thanks. Yeah, that's the picture from uh, from Torino with the gold medal. But I, uh, 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 the last year leading up to Vancouver, I had this nightmare that went on almost every night. And thank God Shauna Taylor, our sports psychologist out of Ottawa, uh, I would have this thing where I would let a goal in from center. And I would have like 
10,000 fans throwing things at me and, you know, wanting to, to put me in jail and the stupidest things in the world. But, be, but when fans, when you're playing great and you're playing for Canada and you're playing hockey, you're a god. But when you're not playing great, oh, my God, people can be so mean. And especially now with social media. I know when we were talking to uh, to McGregor, you know, I was talking to Robbie Armstrong. You know, the, the Canadians were up one nothing in Korea. I was calling the game. Robbie Armstrong, incredible player, incredible person. He's like 21 years old. He's got the empty net. He puts it in. Canada wins the goal 2 nothing. He hits the side of the net. U.S. comes to that, ties the game with 34 seconds left in the game, wins the gold in overtime. And the things that this kid was said he had to deal with on social media, people, give your help, your head a shake. He's a kid. He's trying his best. He's putting that jersey on. The most incredible honor and privilege is to play for your country. Yeah. And then you have, and then, you know, you're out there trying your best and, and hockey is a game at any level. It's a game of mistakes and opportunity. And if nobody ever made a mistake, it'd be zero, zero, every single game. It'd be the most boring game ever. And so he's out there working his bag off. He's trying to score hits the side of the net and, you know, call it fluke or whatever have you. Uh, the Americans come down and they score and they end up winning the game. Like you think he doesn't already hurt enough in his heart and know what he maybe should have, done something different but he was trying he doesn't need the whole country or anybody telling him like he knows trust me i know you know as a player i know as a player we know we know <laughs> I'll, t I'll tell your listeners right now something that i very rarely talk about but i i want them to understand this so on march the 18th 2006 we shocked the world we won the gold medal we beat norway three nothing first ever shutout in the history of canadian hockey in a gold medal game <laughs> Thank you. And I have the gold medal and my mask's in the Hall of Fame, and it's it's great. I think about it sometimes, but I'll tell you what I think about. March the 17th, 2010 in Vancouver, we lost the semifinal to Japan. First time we ever lost to Japan. It'll never happen again. But we lost to Japan, and that put us out of the gold in Vancouver. And I think about that moment. It's over 11 years now, Brady. There isn't a day go by that I don't think about losing to Japan, 10,000 fans, at least once a day. I don't tell anybody. I stop crying over it. But I think about that loss every single day. And I don't think about the win that often. But th that's how critical winning at the highest level is, is in this country. And sometimes, and remember, I was 50 years old. The, yeah. I could handle the pressure. We had 17, 18, 19, 25-year-olds on that team that we put too much pressure on these kids, man, way too much pressure. Well, yeah, and it, it goes it goes at all levels of hockey, even the young kids. But, I mean, it's thanks for sharing that, you know, and it's, it's one of these things, you know, when you – especially in Vancouver on home ice and, and March 17th is coming up. It's my daughter Brooklyn's birthday. She would have been two on that day. So it's – I remember that day. I remember exactly where I was. Um, and uh, I remember uh, the loss too. Obviously not as uh, vivid as, as yourself. Um, but again, you guys are all out there trying to trying to win, trying to recreate gold. And sometimes this thing doesn't happen. These things don't happen. And, you know, I think from a fan's perspective, you know, the last thing we need to do is, is criticize this or that um, until yeah. you're in that situation. I, and it's the same thing we talk about early in the show, mental health and addiction. And until you've lived it, 
and you probably shouldn't even comment on it really you shouldn't definitely shouldn't judge people on it well i i put the ring on from torino uh there it is there so that's the ring that we got from torino from hockey canada and um when when we won that it was we we were the the world was our oyster and it's very hard to get to the top of the mountain in in the olympics or paralympic games but it's way harder to stay there. And we took it for granted so much. You can, you talk to, there's only two guys that played on that, uh, that are still on the team now that played in Torino. And that's uh, Billy Bridges going into his sixth game and Greg Westlake going into his fifth games. Um, And I guarantee you, they thought they'd have multiple gold medals. We haven't won since that gold in Torino. And the team is amazing. Well-coached, Excellent goaltending, Dominic LaRocca and Corbin Watson, two incredible goalies, great defense, incredible forwards, and an unbelievable captain in Tyler McGregor, great coaching in Ken Babby. Yeah. But something's happened on that one day, and that's what people forget about with the Olympics and Paralympics. They just, you know, it's four years, and it's, it's one day. You train for four years for one day, and if something happens on that one day, Brady, you walk away with a silver, a bronze, or worse. And and unfortunately, in hockey in Canada, there's only one color, and it's gold. Yeah, and and I mean, for all the fans watching, they they know that the players know that, and you know we see it again in the World Juniors when when we didn't win gold, and it's it's so heartbreaking right but at the end of the day it is it's just a sport it's just a game um but man do we in canada it's a lifestyle it's it's a way of life here it's crazy and you get the troll the trolls living like that team was incredible going into that gold medal game going into the gold medal game they were uh, looked at as possibly the greatest uh, world junior Canadian team ever better than maybe even the Sidney Crosby, which I don't think so, but that's what people are talking about. Then they lose that gold medal game and every troll in his parents' basement that think they know something about hockey destroyed these kids, these 17 and 18 and 19 year old boys that are devastated for the rest of their lives. You see it, man, when they get that gold, that silver medal over their neck and they are in tears and they want to take that medal off. And I'm watching people People saying, why are they crying? It's not the end of the world. Well, you don't know the pressure that's been put on these kids. It is the end of the world for them at that time. And that's why when I walked away from the games, when when Vancouver ended and I announced my retirement in September of 2010, um, I didn't want to live. I just, the world was, as far as I was concerned, the world was over. I lost my major sponsors. I lost my uh, Sport Canada funding. I, I uh, was was living with somebody at the time who just all of a sudden the, the love was over and I was out on my own. And it's just like, snap your fingers, snap your fingers and the world can come to an end if you put everything into, and my life was Paul Rosen the goaltender for the sled team. That's all my life was. I didn't look at anything else and I've learned so much. And And I try now when I can talk to, to, to young women or young men that are playing sports, you have to look at other things, not just things might work out and you might be able to, to do it. You know, you know, you, you went to training camp with, with uh, uh, Tampa Bay and you had pro talent. You had pro talent, buddy. You could have made it in the NHL. But so many things can happen to steer the ship in the wrong direction. 
And then what are you going to do? So think. It's good to me still. Education is number one, man. If if I can talk to any parent and get the, if you're good enough, whether you're, whether it's your your daughter or your son, because there's so many opportunities for women, young women in hockey now to get scholarships all over the world. But if if you can get an education, and then hockey works out, great. But if it doesn't, you have an education to fall back on. Yeah. And, and I, I echo the same words, Rosie, and people ask me sometimes, you know, would you go to the Western Hockey League again or would you go NCAA? Because I could have, I'm not going to say easily, but I could have, yeah, I could have, I would have had scholarship offers. I did have scholarship offers, but I signed with Swift Current at 16 years old. So see you later. Right. But, you know, I, I talk to guys that, that go on to NCAA and, and if you're not, you know, one of the, the highly, highly touted prospects. You know, you get to go to the NCAA route and you get to play those few extra years. And now instead of just playing against 20-year-olds, you may be playing against 24-year-old men. So, you know, there's ups and downs. The schedule's different. It's not like a mini NHL where the CHL is. However, the skill level of Division One NCAA hockey, in my opinion, is better than Major Junior. I it, agree. It is. Maybe not the, the high-end skill, but the game on a whole, uh, the guys are stronger, faster, older, more developed, uh, and you're seeing more and more guys come out of the NCAA um, than ever before these days. And so I think the Americans are doing a great job, um, you know, guiding their kids in, into the NCAA ranks uh, here in Canada. And I'm a, I'm a big supporter of, of major junior hockey. And I don't get me wrong. I loved my time in the Western league, uh, you know, talk swift current, really storied franchise Kelowna. There doesn't get any better than that. Yep. Played with some great players. However, you know, I, I talked to somebody the other day. I don't want to even mention his name because it, you know, but even though he did disagree with me on the education uh, money when it comes from the CHL is, you know, you get a year every every year you play in the CHL, whether it be the O, the Q or the Dub, you get a year's education. So by the time I was done, I had five years anywhere in Canada paid for. OK, well, I signed with the Lightning's organization. And as soon as I do that, my scholarship's gone. See you later. I blow my knee out first year pro. Next year's a bust. Now I'm done. I got nothing. Doesn't so make sense. It doesn't, you know, I, I get it. You know, if you sign, a, if you end up playing the NHL or whatever, but at the end of the day, like if you're going to give somebody something, a scholarship, and they've worked their entire life to get to that point, then you play in the best junior league in the world. And then they're going to go, hmm, you either have to go to CIS and have probably no chance of making the NHL. Not always, but give or take, the odds are very are stacked against you. Yeah. And or you can go try live out your dream that you've had since you were three years old. Um, good luck. But if you do it, it doesn't work out. See you later. We got no, we got no time. We got nothing for you. Right. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and you know what the uh, the the one thing that that does drive me crazy is you know when you give something, especially when it's a scholarship. That's where something should be set in stone. And if you want to use it when you're 24 and you end because of an injury, or you want to use it maybe when you're 35 and your career ended in the NHL, and it has nothing, in my opinion, to do with the money, you earn that opportunity once they gave you the scholarship to use it when you want to use it. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%, man. There's no there's no two ways about it. It's uh it's I've lost sleep over it in the last few years and and actually recently I've thought a lot about it too because it finally I'm in a position where it's like, you know what? Maybe I would want to go back to school. Maybe I maybe I want to go back and do some addic- become an addiction counselor or whatever. And it's acting, whatever. Whatever. 20 grand for the addiction course. Like maybe I could get student loans, but it's like, you know, what do I should I have to? I put my body on the line for all those years concussions Teeth, which, by the way, uh, they didn't pay for. Thank, thank you to everybody who stepped up when they didn't. Uh, but it is what it is. Well, well, plug to downtown Grant Brown. Yeah, downtown Grant Brown. Who? Guess what? I'm going to see him tomorrow. And so here's a picture of me and you. There's you with your teeth. Look how good you look there. We're gonna get that all figured out. Yeah, that was great. Check in right now. Yeah, but look, there we, look at. I like this picture. Both of us with our teeth out, uh, and then there's this one too, Rosie. Uh, both with our puck support tr- uh, sweatshirts on. I love that picture. That was awesome that I got to meet you, man. That was a it was a great day, even though it was short. Um, but it was it was nice to be able to give you a hug, even though it's COVID. Maybe I shouldn't have, but whatever. It is what it is. But yeah, it was shout out to to Dr. Brown. I'm actually yeah, I'm going down there tomorrow, and you gave me this, which I cherish. I got to get a frame for it. And I'm actually, I haven't had a chance to, I'm full disclosure, I haven't had a chance to watch this, but I think, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it on tonight while I'm laying on the couch because it's been sitting here and I'm like, man, I got to see this Sledhead documentary. Um, it's pretty incredible. And I think, is this is this available online for people to watch, Rosie? Do you know? You know what? It was, what, you when, it, this? Uh, yeah. You awesome. I love that. Yeah. That, so yeah, that happened in 2008, and it was supposed to be this big thing. Uh, and then uh, for some reason, it just and and uh, Dave McGillery, the, the the producer and the guy behind everything, is from Kelowna. Uh, we we went out there to Kelowna to do a lot of stuff. Uh, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, but he, uh, it just never went any further than than the DVD. So I, I don't think you can find it anywhere. Interesting. Well, I'm going to. Uh... It, it should be available on YouTube after all these years. You would think at least if it's done, you want people to see it. But uh, anyways, I'm going to see it. I promise I'm going to put as soon as I'm done and I get this uploaded, I'm going to put it on. But I want to I want to circle back for a second. I want to give a shout out to Tim and Sid. Um, and also uh, we'll get to it in a second. But Tim and Sid, let me tell you about Tim and Sid. So when I was in jail in Vancouver, uh jail in vancouver is a little different than jail in ontario so we get tvs in our cell in vancouver and we were locked up from the day um from about nine o'clock in the morning uh till three in the afternoon you were in your cell locked in you come out for lunch for 40 minutes and that's it so every single day i would i would watch tim and sit in there and it was just well first i would watch hockey central at noon um, with Doug McLean and Nick Kiprios at the time. Shout out to them, who they did a great plug for me on their show, for not for me, but for Puck Support. Um, and just incredible. I don't know if you saw that. Doug McLean's putting his hat yeah. in the camera. Yeah. I watched the whole episode before he even did the plug. He's doing this one. He's like... He's a good guy, a real good guy. Yeah, I'd, love, I'd love to get him on my show. He's a good guy. Yeah, well, I could probably help you with that. But Tim and Sid, let me tell you, man. Like, So I can't tell you how many hours i spent watching them um you mentioned the horn that's exactly why i have the horn and i know they just sid has gone on to i believe breakfast television now 
Uh, now Tim and friends, but those are the two guys that I watch religiously that I really look to um, as leaders in the industry. Not that I'm in the industry, but their industry trying to do podcasts, trying to do shows the way they do things. And uh, I was pretty sad to see their show end, but things eventually always come to an end. 17 years. Uh, I, I, I go back to, I don't know, age myself. I'm going to be 61, but uh, I go back to watching Tim and Sid when they were on the score. Yes. I remember that they too. first started and they're both real. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're new age uh, broadcasters, but they're also hardcore. So they have fans, the ultimate, they have fans in their teens and they have fans in their seventies. And, and they, they always put something like, I love their opening. They had the sheepdogs, you know, uh, yes. uh, well, and Tim and Sid and, 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 you know, they, they just, they did something for everybody. Yeah. I love, I loved it too. And, and then they had the other one time for Tim and Sid time for yeah. Tim and Sid. Oh yeah. You're watching real sports talk with Tim Cal McAuliffe and Sid Sexero. And then he'd come on. Thank you. Sheepdogs. Yeah. yeah I love it. Yeah. I love that. Hey, but I, who knows? Maybe down the road there'll be a Tim and Sid with you and me, brother. Could you imagine how amazing that would be? We could maybe we could do that, Rosie. Uh, when they go, time for Brady and Rosie. Time for Brady and Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank go. Thank you. you. Yeah, thank you, Hip. Yeah, hip. Oh, that'd be awesome. Memory. Probably get the Hunter brothers to do us a song. I had Luke Hunter on. They're pretty good country country band. They're doing them pretty awesome things. I don't know if you caught that episode, but it was great with Luke Hunter. And uh, he's a, they're a big country band in Canada right now. They were nominated. I, for I have watched, I'll tell you one thing. I have watched going back to this, this now, which you've said 35, but it's actually weird because I think your first uh, uh, sets of shows you did over 100. And I think I was episode 34 or 35. And this one, it's episode 35. I think I was fairly close. But, um, you know, it, whether I watch it live or I watch it archived, uh, I, I, I never miss it. And the thing great about uh, uh, watching it, uh, listening to it uh, also, is I listen to it in the car, um, which is fantastic. Yeah, you were episode number 30. I got it right there. So you were one of the original guests and we didn't know each other back then. And it was, you know, we've, we've remained really, all, our relationships only gotten stronger since then. And I remember like coming across your story and I was just like, wow, like, you know, wow, this guy's a, a real inspiration and, and a trooper. And as I got to know you, you know, I, you started, I started to realize we were a lot more similar in the fact that, you know, especially through the way we are, the things we've gone through, but also the way that people view us. You talked about it earlier about how, you know, people think, oh, we have this or that and we have it. Everything's all good. And, um, you know, that's not always the case. And I think it's important that we talked about that earlier so that people know because there are there's people out there, too, where people look at them and they think they have it all figured out or whatever. And when they go home or when they when they're by themselves, they they struggle and uh, just knowing that they're they're not alone can can sometimes make the world of difference. Um, yeah. There's a couple there's a couple other things that I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to go back to Suboxone. So I'm on methadone, which is you know, Suboxone's arguably the lesser of two evils, but essentially they're both the uh, they do the the similar thing with help with you know when somebody's been addicted to opiates. And so I've been on Suboxone before. 
uh, went back to methadone. And you mentioned you're, you know, trying to get off Suboxone. You're doing a great job, by the way. Congrats. I know you've come down uh, and you're on a very, very low dose. And uh, I'm trying to do the same with methadone. I was on 110 milligrams when the podcast started. I'm now on 45 or 40 um, tomorrow. And so it's a, it's a slow process, uh, but I've always been very transparent uh, about it. And, and it's not something that I'm, you know, proud to talk about by any means. Uh, it's, it's still pretty embarrassing um, that, but I'll tell you what's more embarrassing when you're living in active addiction, uh, when you're not doing anything to get better. And so I just wanted to let people know, and, and you mentioned when, can I ask you when you went to treatment back in 1993, was it government funded or did you pay for it out of your own pocket? No, it was government funded. Okay, so um, government funded, I've been to only government funded treatment centers too. And I'm not going to say that government fund treatment centers are, are not good because I went to a couple amazing ones, just amazing ones. Uh, there was a couple of times in there though where guys from jail um, would be brought from jail to the government funded centers and it would totally change the dynamic of the treatment center for, you know, more of a jail mentality. They were still trying to, you know, use uh, not all of them, but some of them. And um, whereas I've heard uh, when you go private, obviously it costs a little bit more money, uh, but you, you sort of break that barrier of, of, you know, if someone's paying a lot of money, doesn't mean that it's going to work, but certainly it, it's a, you know, they're invested or people are invested and they know that. And the people that are also there are invested. Um, and so people have, you know, commented on Kevin, uh, different treatment centers here, tr different treatment centers there. Um, and I know there's government funded treatment centers, but I trust Jim Thompson. And so Jim had suggested um, Newgate 180 uh, up near Ottawa. And it, it is expensive. And that's why we had to start the GoFundMe pages. Um, Kirby's parents are, are on board and, and want to contribute. Um, and, and we appreciate that. But, you know, this is why I started Puck Support Rosie. So originally it was to provide treatment. You know what I mean? For guys like you in 1993 or even a couple of years ago, for me, a guy like me uh, a year ago that needed treatment. And I, I feel that I don't know. Something just tells me that it's uh, it's a great opportunity. So I just wanted to just tell everybody, I know there's other treatment centers. I know there's more cost effective ways, but in, unless you've been to treatment centers and, and again, it goes back to, you know, talking about the things, you know, or the places you've been and um, trusting others. Um, I feel like this is going to give them the best chance um, getting outside of, almost like I hate to say it because I was a street guy man I was homeless but getting away from that street life street people which is more filled by the government centers unfortunately but you know not too many street people or homeless people are getting plucked off the street and going to a high-end facility so um, that's no disrespect to anybody struggling I, I Rosie I pray for them every single night not just Kirby but every single man and woman that's struggling um, on the street right now and uh, because I know what it's like and uh, it's it's I don't know man it's a tough situation we've lost a lot of people we touched on that earlier but what is your experience like been with Suboxone because the plan is um, to stabilize Kevin on Suboxone and, and how long have you been on it what's the process been like for you what are the ups and downs yeah well I I went on it uh, immediately when I uh, when I went into the uh, the psych ward they put me on I was on 18 milligrams immediately and I, I I'm still on it uh, 25 months uh, and when I when I first went in I, I had 
wrong information from one of the uh, doctors that said to me, you know, you're going to be on this the rest of your life. Uh, you're going to take it in the morning and at night. And then, you know, I, I spent 17 days in the psych ward, which gave me the opportunity to detox and get clean. And uh, uh, when I moved into my daughter's, uh, I, I had some support. Uh, I had the support through uh, uh, the York Region Services and, and my counselors there. But that's when I, I, I met my first addiction doctor, uh, Dr. Kerouac, and he said to to me, no, 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 you're, we're, we're going to work this. And it, it could be two years, it could be three years, it's not the rest of your life. So now I'm on two milligrams a day, which is very little. I'm hoping sooner than later to be off. But the the ups and downs with things like methadone and suboxone and is that like I could go four months without an issue nothing whatsoever and and you know this and anybody that's been on it know and then all of a sudden tomorrow um maybe I take my suboxone an hour later than normal I usually take it around 10 in the morning let's say take it 11 or 12 and I ate something that is a little and I am dying like I am in bed like like everything inside of me is coming out of me um so there's still ups and downs with anything like that but going back to the day I went in and when they got everything out of me from trying to take my life uh, the box one saved me it it was it it was the opportunity to not have me worry about grabbing uh, some oxys or some fentanyl or whatever, like I was taking anything at the time. And and the crazy thing, and you know this, is that, you know, I got to the point where I was getting my stuff from somebody off the street. So I had no clue what it was. Like he told me what it was, but there was no way that he even he knew what was in it. And that's why people are dying with overdoses so much, uh, because they don't know what they're taking. Yeah. And it's it goes back to the story of Mitch Fadden, my former line mate, passed away um, thinking it was one thing and it was the other. And uh, he's no longer with us. And he was drafted by Tampa Bay and just incredible hockey player. I, I had to break the news to Kevin Kerbison. Kevin is the same age as Mitch. And he remembers Mitch as the guy with the best hands that he ever saw. He's like, even better than yours. And I was like, I know, I know, Mitch, you were the best with your hands. I know, but we miss you. And um, it's just one of these things. And we got to be careful. And so anybody out there, if you're struggling, reach out and get help. Um, I know we got, we're going to wrap up here. Um, but I'm going to do something a little different today. Um, you always do the rosy, uh, the rosy rapid fire. <laughs> Nobody ever gets to hear your answers. <laughs> so I want to know, this is the only time I'm ever going to do this. Okay. This is what you do. Okay. You always ask all your guests, do you got your seatbelt on? Yep. I got it on. All right. All right. This is the only time I'm going to do this. And thanks to Susan cook for uh, making sure I had all the right the right information. All right, Rosie, you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite movie? Godfather One. Nice. Your favorite band? The Hat Tragically Hip. Knew that one. Favorite food? Steak. Steak. Nice. A favorite place in the world? And I've been around the world, man, but hands down. Hands down, and this is the one place I, I want to go to soon uh, with my girl, and, and that is... Prague in the Czech Republic. Yes, I've heard it's beautiful. I've never One of the been. most romantic cities in the world, Prague in the Czech Republic. Well, you're, you're going to get there with her. And this may be a stupid question. What's your favorite sport? You know what? And, and I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Everybody thinks hockey. Yeah. And I love hockey. Hockey has given me a life, but it's baseball. 
Okay. I love baseball too. See, uh, I had to do that with you because you always get to ask these questions. And I was watching yesterday or whatever. And a couple of times I'm like, I wonder what his answers are. And I meant to ask you, but Hey, um, where can everybody check out your shows? Uh, what days, where, and, and when, and, and, and how can they check that out? The Rosen report. So the Rosen report is on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, four thirty till five o'clock. It's on uh, the Gooch Network, which is through uh, Gooch Live. It is on Facebook. It's on YouTube, like yours. Just Google Google the Rosen Report, and you'll be able to watch it. Um, it's we're we're getting more guests to talk about uh, life issues. Like when we had Jimmy on, we didn't talk about playing with Gretzky. Everybody knows he played with. Yeah. You know, my show tomorrow is going to have Todd Nicholson on. He was the captain of the team when we won in Torino. Uh, he was the chef de mission for the Paralympics in uh, Korea in 2018. He he works with the IPC and the governing body. Um, we're going to talk about things that people would have no clue outside of hockey. You know, 18 years old, becomes paralyzed from the waist down and becomes one of the best para-athletes and, uh, and advocates for para-people in the world. Well, I know. I love your show. I, I listen all the time. I usually catch them live. I've watched all of them live, I think, except for one. And uh, keep up the great work, man. I'm super proud of you. And we didn't get into your story about, you know, how you lost your leg, but you're going to be a regular on the show. And, and people know, um, you know, most people know about the story. And I don't always like to bring it up. But I, I did hear you say uh, before when we were with Tyler about because he was really ashamed, um, you know, having to show his his leg. And, and you spoke that you're not. And, and I think you know that's a that's a huge deal for a lot of people that have gone through similar things just to embrace where you're at and you're a huge inspiration not just to me man i i absolutely love you like a brother and i'm very grateful that we've gotten to know each other and it's an honor to call you a friend thank you man and on my last uh, the last thing i'll say is yes to tyler mcgregor and greg westlake guys who at the beginning when i met them they wore long pants they didn't want to show and everybody is different from the second I lost my leg, I wear shorts all the time if I can. I love to show my leg because I want people, when they look at a Paul Rosen or Brad Bar uh, Barco in, in the wheelchair, when they look at somebody who's a little different, whether they're in a wheelchair or missing a leg or missing both legs or missing an arm, it doesn't matter. I want them to look past the disability. Look at the ability because there are so many people in this world that something has happened to that have rose above the, the tragedy and turned an obstacle into an opportunity. So always please people look past the disability and look at the ability. Uh, great, great point, Rosie. And, and you're one of the ones that are leading the way for, for a lot of people and keep it up uh, tomorrow, four 30 Rosen report. I'll be there, man. I'll be watching. Thanks. All right, Rosie. I love you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, buddy. Love you too, man. Bye. All right, guys, that's my good friend, Paul Rosen. Thanks, Rosie. I love you so much, man. Um, such a great guy. Him and I are going to do all sorts of things in the near future. And um, I'm excited for, for what the future brings, not only for Paul and I, but um, for puck support. Um, I just want to remind people that we are raising uh, money for Kevin Kerbison's treatment. We have the Doug Gilmore jersey for auction right now. I put it over there so I don't dirty it. Uh, also, four books. There's one available for auction right now. Uh, but also, also, check this out. Check this out. 
Nobody else has seen this. Nobody. Not a single person. This is just being announced right now. Big shout out to Adam Running. Up there in Brockville, Ontario. He wants to do his part to help Kevin get to treatment. Check these out. Available for auction starting later tonight or tomorrow morning. Stay tuned. We have some pictures going for auction. Check these out. A signed Ray Bork picture. That's right. How about this one? Who's that guy? Geeky. LaFleur! Signed picture. Who's next? What's up? You guys even know who that is? It's Joey Mullen. Unbelievable. Oh, back to Guy. How about this one, guys? What? What? Unbelievable. Adam, he has such a great collection of memorabilia. All of these available for auction. No disrespect to all the other pictures. No disrespect to all the other pictures, but wait for this one. Okay? Wait for this one. Boom! Johnny Bauer. What's up? Pretty awesome. Adam running. Putting his own memorabilia up for auction. Will be available on the Puck Support page. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Unbelievable. He's got a great collection and clearly a great heart. Look for those. I can't even believe that he put those up. I mean, I I originally told him, I said, Adam, I can't. We can't accept these. Like, it's... He's like, ah, don't even, don't even worry about it. He wants to uh, do his part. It's just, oh man, it's just unreal. Just unbelievable. It's actually, let me, let me check that. I thought it was Joe Mullen. That is actually, oh no, that's Joe Mullen. That's gotta be Joe Mullen. Pretty awesome. I'm most excited. That's Bernie Nichols, by the way. Johnny Bauer. Can you believe this stuff? People care. People care. It's unfrickin' believable. In the words of Luke Hunter, it's unfrickin' believable. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with me all this time. Thank you for supporting Puck Support. If you want... Some of your own puck support swag like this toque with a name in it, such as Wade Belak. You can get your very own puck support swag. Pucksupport.com. There it is along the bottom, pucksupport.com. If you want to bid on the jerseys, the pictures, or the books. You can do so on our Facebook page. I will shoot the link uh, in the podcast. So if you're listening to the audio, just look in the description after the fact. 
uh, as promised, uh, we will give away uh, some pride tape. But the way I'm going to do it is a little bit different today. So I will contact the winner. I'm going to put all the people who left comments uh, in the spin wheel like we did for Instagram. Uh, I'll do a live video here shortly. And that's how we're going to give away a couple rolls of pride tape tonight. We'll do two spins. More than happy to give away two rolls of pride tape to, uh, to anybody. And I got more on the way. I was out there taking pictures yesterday. A video coming for the promo. Thank you to Jeff and Aubrey and everybody at Pride Tape and Curtis Gabriel for all his hard work. He's looking good. He's in the NHL right now doing his thing, banging it out, making a name, and he's getting noticed. So keep up the good work, Curtis Gabriel. Uh, March 17th is coming up. Happy birthday to my daughter, Brooklyn, on St. Patrick's Day. I miss you, Brody. I miss you like crazy. To all my family, I love you. I miss you. I long for the day when I can give you all big hugs. Um, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., while I'm in the car on the way to Oakville, we will be doing the Puck Support Prayer Group. So if you want or need some prayer in your life. If you want to get together, we have a small group that meets and it's been amazing. Thank you to Nathan Weeb, the puck support chaplain slash mentor slash my new good friend. Incredible, incredible man from Abbotsford who now lives in Swift Current. He's helping me with scaling puck support. So join us tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You don't have to talk if you don't want to. You don't even have to turn your video on if you don't want to. If you just want to listen, if you want to share some prayer requests, if you just want to talk, whatever that looks like, join us. Join us. No pressure. I don't push my beliefs or my faith on anybody. I pray all through the day, and I've shared how I feel about it. You guys know. Um it is, it is a big part of my life, and I believe a big reason why things have happened for me, uh, but there's a lot that goes with that. If you would like to donate to the GoFundMe page, go to GoFundMe or t go to Google, type in GoFundMe Kevin Kerbison, and it should come up right at the top. This was before the broadcast. I'm not sure if anybody's donated since, but if you have donated, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to personally contact every single person that donates over the course of the next week or two, a um, couple people a day. Uh, we'll get to everybody. That's a promise. That's a promise. I'm going to keep you guys all updated with what's going on, everything Kevin Kerbison. If you can, say a prayer that he gets on a plane this Sunday and that we can get him the help that he needs and deserves. Thank you. To my good friend, Paul Rosen, for joining the show. Make sure you check out the Rosen Report uh, tomorrow, 4.30 Eastern on the Gooch Live Network. Uh, unbelievable show. I love Paul. Anytime I get to talk to him, uh, it's a, a real pleasure. Make sure, though, set your reminders. Set your reminders for Sunday night. We got a big show lined up for you guys. Michael Landsberg joins the broadcast. That's right. The man, the myth, 
the legend, somebody I grew up watching and learning from on Off the Record. He's a huge, huge mental health advocate, very open about his own struggles. And man, he's, he's a monster in the business, not in a bad way. I'm talking in a good way. This guy is, wow. It's a pretty big get for Hockey to Hell and Back. And it's just, it's a real privilege to be sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in and, and having people listen and tune in and uh, share the post. If you like what you're listening to and you're listening to audio, please, please rate and review. It only takes a second. It only takes a second. I'm really trying to find a picture. That's why, full disclosure, you guys know me. I can't lie. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to find the picture of Landsberg. I thought it was uploaded, and it's not. Of course not. But anyways, you guys know who he is. Michael Landsberg, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Four o'clock Pacific. Wow, I really had to slow that down, but check that out. Look who found it. Michael Landsberg joins the show, guys, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully, we'll see you guys all there. Follow me on social media, at Mental Health Hockey, but more importantly, follow at Puck Support. At Puck Support. If you liked it, share it. If you didn't, please don't. Thank you all for watching. Stay safe. Be be kind. Be grateful. And remember, have a great day if you so choose. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at mindframe on Twitter plus mindframefit on Instagram.